Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I had a conversation with the American Petroleum Association and uh, one of their directors, and uh, his name is Frank Macchiarola. He came on to talk about a poll they did in Arizona with Arizona voters and a 90% of voters in Arizona that were in the, according to this poll. So even if it's a plus or minus of 5%, you still have well over 80% of the people polled that want to see us be energy independent as a nation, as part of a national security issue, as also part of a uh, environmentally protective issue. So I asked him about this um, and we uh, we talked about a couple of these things. One of them was the climate itself. If you are someone that is concerned about climate change, how does this play a role? We can have domestic production of oil and gas here in the United States and drive our emissions down at the same time and address the climate challenge that we face. It's not a question of one or the other. In fact, our industry has been part of the solution in helping drive down emissions in the power system through the greater use of natural gas. So that was part of the conversation. And they taught, I asked him, because I have maintained, what nation would you choose? What nation does it safer? Who is, who, what country do you trust? If even if you are, let's say you are someone that believes that we have to reduce our, all fossil fuels are bad. There are a couple of things you have to concede. One is that we know that we are going to be dependent on oil forever. We just are. I mean, it's going to be at least the next 30 years plus. So as long as the world is still going to, this is going to be the main source of energy in America's fossil fuels, whether it's coal or it's oil or it's uh, natural gas, we are going to need those fuels to fuel everything we do in this world. You have to acknowledge that. And we can be moving toward a different resource, but right now we know that is going to be the resource. So I've maintained, if that's the case, as Americans that are concerned about the climate around the world, what nation is better than us to pull it out of the ground, refine it, and ship it to its destination more safely? I've maintained that. And I asked Frank about that this morning, and he responded with this. We have among the highest standards of environmental regulation here in the United States. Our industry takes this issue very seriously, both from an environmental standpoint and an emissions standpoint. You know, our industry is continuously improving in this space to make sure that we're developing responsibly the resources that we have for the American people and for the consumer. So when you look at this, we there is a two-pronged concern. One is, as Frank was talking about, an environmental concern about climate change, and there are many people that are concerned about that. But the other thing that everybody is concerned with is the cost of energy right now, the cost of fossil fuels. Liquefied natural gas, LNG, is one of the cleanest burning fuels that there is. And there is no arguing around that. We are the number one producer of LNG in the world. As a matter of fact, we are also upping our production so that we can ship it to Europe. So that Europe, um, uh, what, um, you know, we ship it to Europe because Europe is so dependent on Russian natural gas. And we are going to offset what they are losing, or at least partially, by shipping them more natural gas to drive down their prices. 
producing more here and continuing on the path of production makes us energy independent, which means if you think about this, we don't have to go to Russia. We don't have to go to the Iranians. We don't have to go to the Venezuelans. We don't have to ask for more production from any of the OPEC countries. We don't have to go to the Saudis. We don't have to go to the United Arab Emirates. We don't have to do those things. And when you are able to take care of yourself, that doesn't mean you don't do business with other nations. That doesn't mean that you don't rely somewhat on other nations, but you can switch that off and do your own production. This is where the American people are in agreement. And here in Arizona, 90% of us want us to be energy independent. So here's my question. Does anybody not believe, because I absolutely believe it's true. Does anybody not believe that we can be energy independent and environmentally responsible? And we absolutely can. I have a friend um, from years ago who was um, he was a great rodeo cowboy. This guy was legendary as a rodeo cowboy, but he also worked on the Alaskan pipeline. And he was showing me pictures and telling us stories about it, because when the Alaskan pipeline went in, for those of you old enough to remember the Alaskan pipeline, when it was first going in. The great, you know, frontier and the great uh, wilderness that Alaska is, the concern of environmental damage with an oil pipeline running through Alaska was so severe that the concern was what it would do to the wildlife. And we kept hearing just the introduction of this pipeline into this pristine wilderness was going to chase the game away, that it was going to change the way the animals lived. It was going to change the way the animals migrated. It was going to change the way they made it. It was going to change everything and we could cause mass destruction of the ecosystem that was Alaska. We kept hearing that over and over and over and over and over again. Well, I was I saw pictures of elk under, on, and around, and deer, and every animal you can think of that could care less that that pipeline was running through there. We can responsibly, and there is a responsible way. I don't know of any American. Well, that's not true because I see people throw stuff out their car window and litter all the time. But I don't know of many people that aren't concerned with having a clean planet. You you want to walk down a city street, and this has nothing to do with pollution in the sense of what we're discussing, but just in human nature. When you're walking down a street, you know the difference between a very clean, beautiful place that you want to walk down and something that's filthy. When you walk into a store... You know the difference between the grocery stores you walk into where the floors are clean and the shelves are clean and the employees are clean and other places you walk into where it's really dirty. So we can see that difference in it with our eye. It's the same thing with the environment. We have people in this country that can do it environmentally safely until we move in a direction of a different fuel. So if you don't think that this is an anti, just anti-oil company, anti-petroleum company sentiment, you're wrong because it absolutely is. This is political to many, many people. But what happens is we argue politics in America and we argue ideology until it starts to do really big damage. And then people start to rethink the policy. It all sounds real good. It all sounds good that we're going to get rid of oil and gas and we're going to put up windmills and we're going to have solar because we're in Arizona, all of which is viable to some degree. But what is it? Uh, solar, even here in Arizona, it makes up about 5% of our grid. And even if we increase that, which we are about 1% a year, do the math on how long it's going to be before we have an, um, the majority of our 
energy being created by solar. That doesn't mean that you um, shouldn't put it on your home. I think it's amazing technology. I think solar technology is absolutely amazing. But we're not going to sacrifice. We're not going to stop diminishing our production or shouldn't stop diminish the production of fossil fuels because we now have this amazing new technology where you can put it on your home and actually sell power back to the power company. It's not one or the other, and it never should have been. Never should have been. Coming up in a moment, we do something at 1120 every day. It's called Did You Hear This? It's a way for you to get caught up on the biggest news headlines while you've been working and heading to lunch. We're going to get you a little more informed on your way to lunch in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, no big surprise. Big, heavy news day. Let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Hey, Mike, uh, not sure if you heard about this, but during the Oscars last night, host Chris Rock made a G.I. Jane joke about uh, Will Smith's wife, Jada, who's bald due to a medical condition. Smith walked up to the stage, appeared to slap Chris Rock in the face, and walked back to his seat a few seconds later. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. All right. The obvious question is uh, staged or not. And also, wouldn't Muhammad Ali be disappointed in how Will Smith hit him? Because he you played know, all of I'll be honest. This is the first thing of the Oscars I've seen in years because I, I don't care. I don't. And I mean this in our industry, too. I, I don't do any of this for awards. I don't do any. I don't do any of those things because. It's just self-serving. When you get a bunch of actors together and directors and movie producers and everything else, and they pat each other on the back and say how great they are and give each other awards, who cares? Nobody cares. And so when you do this, when this happened, um, and then later on he cried, and it was, I I just, I I don't get it. I don't get any of it. It doesn't matter to me. And um, I just think the whole thing is a waste of time in comparison with everything else that's going on in the real world. President Biden, and speaking of going on in the real world, uh, President Biden said this about Russian leader Vladimir Putin over the weekend during a speech in Poland. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. Now, when he uh, got back to Washington, the president said, oh, he didn't mean they should take Biden out of power. Which Biden do you believe? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, you know, because they're saying he went off script with the part in the speech in Warsaw where he said that this man cannot remain in power. Um, he, he also, you know, he, he called him a butcher and said some other things that have shown concern in the world. It's even draw, drawn the ire of the, of the French president, Macron. And it is, um, so we have caused a rift with NATO nations. I just complimented the president last week about being able to keep the alliance with NATO nations strong that I thought of all the times I've been critical of the president, keeping this alliance in this world strong with everybody on board, with the sanctions realizing they'll be damaging to the NATO nations, the able to show a un- the ability to show a united front was really a, a feather in his cap to some degree. And then this happened, and you've got other NATO nations coming out and saying, "Hey, wait a minute!" You even got the White House coming back and saying it. So this has got big implications because he wasn't just speaking as the American president; he was speaking in a NATO country about NATO nations. And you're dragging NATO along with the things you say. That's what made this scarier than anything else. 
you are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to get you caught up on the headlines. An ongoing side effect of the pandemic over the last couple of years is reduced health care workers. Dr. Michael White is with ValleyWise Health. He says they're not under as understaffed as they were at the start of the pandemic now. That is slowly improving. We have not had any difficulties covering shifts, but certainly aren't having the number of staff to the levels that we had pre-pandemic. So my question to you on this, Mike, is do you expect most hospitals will reload medical staff-wise to pre-pandemic levels yeah. sooner rather than later? Yes, I do. And I think that the medical field is going to continue to grow in this country. And so we do need qualified medical workers from EMTs to RNs to LPNs and doctors and specialists. We're going to continue to need those and we've got to educate the next generation of them. But we also can't call them heroes for a year and then tell them they're fired for not taking a vaccine. These are medical professionals that were making personal decisions about their body and paying a price with their careers for it. So many of them changed careers or went to work with people that didn't have the same or for people that didn't have the same policy. So you're going to have to take a look at what you allow your employees to do because you're paying a huge price when you throw down the the gauntlet, lay down the law and tell them how it's going to be because they have options and they're going to walk and they better not let it happen again next time. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just signed that controversial Don't Say Gay Bill into law. It bans any teaching of sexual orientation or gender identity in elementary school classrooms. DeSantis says this is about parental control. In Florida, we will make sure that parents can send their kids to school to get an education, not in indoctrination. LGBTQ activists say this law bans teachers from speaking to individual students about these topics, but is it a teacher's job to talk to students about sexuality? Well, especially not at under third grade. By the way, it shouldn't be called don't say gay bill. It should have say doesn't say gay bill because it's not anywhere in the bill. What it says is you're not going to talk to children, third grade or under, about sexual orientation, sexual identity. We're going to leave it out for kids that are under the age of eight. Eight. Eight or nine years old is what you are in third grade. So that's what you've got. And if anybody disagrees with that, I think you're 100% wrong. And the vast majority of people with this piece of legislation, if you look at what it does, it does what every parent would expect. It leaves morality at home with the parents, and it tells the educators that you have to tell parents what you're teaching. If you think that's a bad thing, that's on you. And if you want to say it's a don't say gay bill, that's the only reason why you can be angry at it, because then you call it homophobic. It isn't homophobic. What it is is telling you that we're not going to sexualize children and talk to them about sexual identity and these other things until after they're in the third grade. I don't think that's dramatic. I don't think it's drastic. I don't think it's it's, um, right wing. I just think it's common sense, and so do most parents. And as the uh, parent of a second grader, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, Yeah. it's just, you know, leave that at home. And that's been my biggest thing about education. We are so far behind in the basics. We are so far behind in reading at grade level, math at grade level. We have so many people just in Arizona where English is a second language, where you have ELL students, where they are learning the language. They should be consumed with things that are a priority. You mean to tell me that sexual identity and gender identity and all of these other things are important? That important? 
important that they should be a part of the curriculum for kids under the third grade? Come on. It just isn't. It's absolutely not something that's important. And it's something that needs to just be wait till later and let the parents educate their kids at what the parent believes is the right rate for their kids. That's all. It's not homophobic and it's not anti-gay at all. It is saying that we just don't want to talk about things until it's age appropriate. Um, What we're going to do in a moment, we've got a tax bill on the wealthy. Is it going to solve our economic problems and our deficit problems, our spending problems in the U.S.? Is it the right thing to do? We'll let you hear from some experts next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast yet, you can do it. It's very, very simple to do. Never miss a minute of the show. Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. You can get the most money selling your home for cash by going to highestprice.com. It's highestprice.com. So let's talk about the 57% of Americans that don't pay income tax. Now, here's what's interesting. The people that I know, the hardworking people that I know, um, want to make sure they everybody should pay something to, to live in this great country. And there is a much more fair way of, of paying taxes in this country. It's called a flat tax or a sales tax. Um, the, the problem is if you were to eliminate the income tax and go to a sales tax product where the federal government, you're going to have other taxes that leak in. You have to absolutely get rid of all the other taxes. But what you could do is have a flat tax. And how much easier would it be for every household to do this? That your household income is taxed at a percentage and all of us pay that percentage. It's dramatically lower than what it is right now, but we get rid of all the itemized deductions and all the nonsense. It means corporations are going to pay a flat tax. Employees are going to pay pay a flat tax. You're still going to have your payroll taxes and FICA and all that stuff. But imagine a flat tax. The problem is somewhere between 42 and 44 percent of Americans don't pay any income tax whatsoever. So all of those people would see a tax increase. Those people are also the lowest lowest on the income uh, ladder. So you're going to go to tell working class Americans your taxes are going up. Well, that who, who, how's that going to fly? How many people get reelected to office with that happening? It's much more fair. And then you're going to see people at the highest level where you are seeing the individual tax rate at a much higher rate. Not just you're not just paying more. You're paying a higher percentage of your income. They're going to get a tax cut. Now, in the end, because there are much more working class people than there are wealthy people, you would see the coffers of the U.S. government go up. But it's such an unpopular thing to do because you're going to tell lower income people and not just poor people, but lower income people that you're going to have to pay more in taxes. But I also think that it's fair and it's it keeps people accountable because if you as a taxpayer were told you're going to pay 10 percent, if you make fifty thousand dollars a year. You are going to pay $5,000 in income taxes. Let's say you have $60,000 in income. You're going to pay $6,000 a year or $500 a month in income taxes. And it's going to be drawn out of your check. So it's going to be 250 bucks a paycheck. 
And that's how you're going to pay income taxes. There are going to be people that lose their minds, but it also means they watch their government and they watch their government spending. So do I think that that's a pipe dream that it's ever going to happen? Yes, I do. But when you see the totals now that because of the redistribution of wealth that we have been doing because of COVID-19, 57% of households didn't pay taxes, income taxes, federal income taxes last year. They paid payroll taxes. They paid state income taxes. But not federal income taxes. That means the tax burden falls on 43% of Americans. Doesn't matter how wealthy they are. So the, the second shoe is about to fall as the president works on his tax plan. We keep hearing about the economic growth in America and how great it is. And it has been. And I have kept reminding everyone, but we are not seeing the Biden economy yet. We are still enjoying the tax cuts under the Trump administration. And one of the things the president said he was going to do was eliminate the tax cuts for corporations. Isn't it fascinating that when you cut taxes, that you can take those tax cuts away and that isn't an infringement on business or on wealthy people. But if you're giving someone a check, a government handout, and then you take that away, well, now they've become dependent on that and we're hurting those people. We have watched, and let's just do it the corporate side of this because there's two sides, individual income and corporate tax rate. With corporations in America, you're fighting around the world with a lot of these jobs. You're fighting in a worldwide market, not just a nationwide market. How do you remain competitive? We've watched companies have to endure price increases because of the supply chain, price increases because of the inability to get people to work. So you've had to pay them a lot more money to come to work for you or to stay working for you. We have seen the price of fuel go up dramatically. Now you're going to tell small businesses and large businesses, but businesses across America, we're going to charge you more money in taxes. How does anybody think that those four things right now are not going to damage the growth of our economy? The answer is it absolutely is. It is a higher burden for those businesses. And in turn, those businesses raise prices. If you look... If you look at what's going on with gas prices, most people understand if they get a fuel surcharge from a delivery company, if there is a fuel surcharge added on, some people understand this is temporary, so I'm not raising my prices. What I'm doing is line iteming that there's going to be a small percentage I'm going to add because of fuel costs. And a lot of contractors are having to do this and you know people that are in that service industry where they're going to you to do their job. And people say, well, I understand that. Well, why wouldn't it be the same if your taxes went up? When fees go up, I've talked about this, they call them fees, but it's a tax. When the government charges you money, it's a tax. And so every city you work in has what's called a privilege tax, and you have to know what that privilege tax is as a contractor because it's a little different than a sales tax. And you have to apply that to every job you do in that city and collect that money and send it into the city, every city that you do work in. And if you don't do any work in that city, you've got to send them a zero and say, I, 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 didn't, spend, I didn't do any work in your city this month. I got a call five years after my business was closed, or at least three years after my business was closed down from one of the cities, making a demand that I file this piece of paper that just had zeros on it. I hadn't done any work in the city, but I hadn't sent in the sh- one of the sheets in the last month I was open, and I had to I had to go and make the correction. It was 
foolish. It just takes time and money. But what about their fees to go get a permit? If you're going to build a home, if you're going to remodel a home, you need to get a permit. There's a permit fee. Well, when that permit fee goes up, your cost goes up, not mine. I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to pass that on to you. And it's going to be part of the cost of doing that job. So these tax increases that are being proposed are ill-conceived. Anthony Scaramucci, CNBC, talking about what a bad idea this is. This is one of the more terrible ideas that come out of the Biden administration. And I think this is just more left-leaning, lurching to the left. If you're taxing accumulated capital, uh, that's going to just have disastrous consequences. It's totally a disincentive for people to form capital and takes the risks necessary to create all this prosperity and innovation. And that's exactly the second part of this that is a disaster. So I'm going to spend a couple of more minutes on this before we close it out. Why is this such a disaster for people that are trying to grow wealth? We're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. We have been talking about um, taxes and how it affects the average person because they're now proposing a billionaire tax. Well, it is a little bit of a misnomer because it's households that are worth $100 million or more. So, again, the very, very wealthy, but definitely not billionaires. But I want you to hear a little bit of a CNBC report on this. This tax is called the billionaire minimum income tax, but it actually applies to households with $100 million or more in net worth. So that's roughly the top 20,000 households. It's really a two-part tax. The first part is is a minimum tax of 20%. That's a minimum tax rate. So they currently pay a tax rate of 12%. They would owe an additional 8% on their income. It also redefines income to include unrealized capital gains. So each year they would pay up to 20% on the increase in the value of stock or business, even if they never sold. So uh, I, I use this analogy before. Before you say this is an okay idea, it only affect, affects about 20,000 households in the U.S., So it certainly isn't going to solve any of our financial problems. And so in that regard, we're not solving anything. All we're doing is punishing rich people. But the idea that we are going to punish um, them by taking money for what is not realized income, but potential income, meaning this, your home has probably gone up 20% in the past year. Let's say you had a home that was worth $400,000. It's now probably worth $480,000. So imagine if the the IRS said your home is increased by by $80,000 in value. So with that $80,000, you know that $8,000 is 10%. That means $16,000 is 20%. You owe us $16,000 because the value of your home has gone up so much. You haven't sold your home. You haven't taken any of that money out of there, but you owe us that money. How would you feel? Now, that's just an individual that's just trying to get by and make a living. Now, imagine if you are someone that creates wealth. You create jobs, you own companies, and you build wealth. But you haven't sold your property yet. You haven't sold your portfolio. The other level of taxation that I know that they're going after, and we're going to hear more about it in the future, is they dramatically want to increase the death tax or the estate tax. 
So I think that of all the things we do as Americans when it comes to taxation, and if you haven't figured it out already, I'm a pretty conservative, fiscally conservative person that believes the government should stay out of everybody's wallet as much as absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. Not going after people because they they don't need it so we can take it. That what an absurd, what an absurd thing to say. Your neighbors couldn't come over to your house and say, you got a lot more food than you need. I'm taking some. That's not an excuse to take from people. But that's part of it. But with the estate tax, you're robbing people's graves. All of us, I don't know who it is in your life. I don't know who it is in your life you're saving for. Children, grandchildren, both. Doesn't matter. Family members, nieces, nephews. When you leave this earth... Being able to leave something behind to the people you care about is a goal for people. And a lot of times it's charitable contributions. They want a, they want a legacy in, in charitable endeavors. For the government to come in and say there is your estate owes money because you died. And the way it hurts farmers and ranchers here in the state of Arizona because the land is where the value is. These are people that are not wealthy people. They work very hard, but they work on top of valuable land. Well, when you see that family members aren't prepared and when someone dies, when the the head of the family dies, those families are on the hook. They end up becoming sharecroppers. They can end up selling off part of their farms and their ranches to pay the government the taxes they owe. They want to dramatically increase that tax. I have a friend years ago that taught me a valuable lesson, and it was a hor- it's a horrible story. Um, his mother passed away and left him an inheritance, and in that inheritance, the portfolio was had a lot of real estate in it, and he owed taxes because he was inheriting this, so he had to pay the death tax. So not only did he have to sell off part of what his mother and father had worked so hard for in building in wealth in the form of real estate, not only did he have to sell sell off part of his birthright to pay the taxes, when he sold those pieces of property, they nailed him for capital gains taxes first and then estate taxes on top of that. So the demonizing of wealth in this country is not a good thing. It's a horrible thing. And when we go after people with this, they call it a billionaire tax, but they're, they're taxing people that are worth $100 million. They're not billionaires. And it's not even right if they do it to billionaires. We should be looking to decrease the amount that government gets into our wallets, not increase it. And the idea that we're only going to do it to rich people so it's okay is disgusting. We have got to stop the class warfare in this country. We have got to look at what really, really works. As Americans, how do we get our fiscal house in order? And I believe in great, a great deal of it has to do with every single American paying something. Every American household should pay something to live in this great country. Then when you're invested, then you're paying attention to what your money's being spent on. Then we hold everybody in Washington accountable. That is how you make differences. Will it ever happen? No, it's a pipe dream. No politician is going to go in and raise taxes on poor families. It's not going to happen. So we're going to continue to punish the rich and not dig ourselves out of trouble. That's what's going to happen. All right, you hear the music just about out of time. If you are... 
a social media user. You can find me personally on Twitter at Broomhead KTAR. That's my Twitter handle. At Broomhead Show will update you on guests and things we're doing here on the show. If you are an Instagram user and you want to check out pictures and trade pictures and stuff, crazy memes, you can do that with me. I'm Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. Would love to stay in touch outside of show hours. Again, we'll be back tomorrow morning starting around 8 a.m. talking about all the local issues. Until tomorrow, have a great day. God bless. 